Welcome to Never Left College, where we discuss the highs, lows, laughs, and tea of university life from the perspective of two women working in higher ed. I'm Alicia. And I'm Winsome. Today, we are continuing our conversation on wealth and the worth of higher education. So, have a seat. Class is about to begin. Okay, guys, so we have a very special guest today with some, we have a a friend of ours here with us, well, virtually. Yes, friend to the show, friend to the show. It's going to be a fun and exciting conversation today. So Miss Candice Marie is here to chop it up with us about the finances of college, or as you like to call it, Winsome, the scheme that Todd, that Todd set, set up. up. <laughs> it is the scam, the scheme that Todd set up. So welcome, welcome, Candice. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. So Candice is a friend of ours. We talk about all the things with her that we talk about on the show. So it just made sense. Uh, It was just natural to invite her to come and sit down and chit chat with us because Candace is a trained college student success strategist. She is a student debt researcher and a university administrator at an R1, Research One University. So there she curates a financial wellness curriculum for over 30,000 undergraduate students. She incorporates statistical data to identify financial pitfalls and academic obstacles that can impede degree progression and completion. So after spending over a decade working in student development and higher education, Candace knows what truly drives students to take action and responsibility for their academic career and their financial goals. So basically what that means, Candace is helping y'all get y'all lives together financially. Yes, she is making sure that y'all don't take too much and making sure that y'all take enough just, and not starve. Just, enough. Mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. enough. But that was just a little bit of the bio. Candace, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Well, again, thank you guys um, for having me on. I'm so proud of you um, both for starting this uh, podcast. Um, I've, I've had the opportunity to listen to a few episodes and I'm honored to just sit here because I've always wanted, I wanted to be in the conversation. So I would take notes. <laughs> like, I want to talk about this stuff too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, in my current position, yes, I um, facilitate financial literacy um, programs. It's a peer-based program. So I train a um, staff of um, student workers to um, offer this service. And I also provide uh, financial counseling service to students who are dealing with um, stimulating circumstances, financial circumstances. I um, also am a PhD candidate where my research focuses on student debt aversion and student loan borrowing. I'm centering my uh, research on students of color uh, and narrowing that focus down to Black women. Mm-hmm. So... I've been in this for a while. I did not come from a finance background. I was a music major and um, really? my career, <laughs> right? So y'all need to take note of that because we've talked about this on this show about undergraduate majors and thinking that you have to be linear. I think it's yeah. what Alicia said and go straight from one to another to another. Guys, listen, what Candace is saying, she was a music major. 
and then yes so that was one of the conversations i was listening to you guys have um yes i was a music major and um, i was very involved in school and uh, connected with a mentor my gateway into higher ed was through orientation new student orientation so orientation leader fell in love with it and i was like oh this is something i could see myself doing um and the key piece, and I brought it up with one of my um, student employees, I always think about performance. That's where I'm coming from, my background. So when we put on a show for orientation, I put on those performance uh, qualities and those skill sets that I've, um, that I've learned as far as the show must go on. So mm-hmm. if I have any orientation people out there, you know there's all types of circumstances that you run into with ori- orientation. But yeah, I my first professional job was in recruiting. And then I went to grad school and uh, focused on the career um, of higher education and um, more so in counseling and then with the concentration in higher education, student services in higher ed. And my experience, I worked professionally in several other uh, functional area, but and, uh, academic advisement really caused the interest to grow as far as financial literacy. I was advising stu- students to take courses, but money was always a concern, especially mm-hmm. if they lost their scholarships. It, mm-hmm. it created a uh, pitfall for them. So um, <laughs> I was talking to one the other day. She was telling me how she was mistold about what, how many credits she needed to take. And this is over like 10 years ago. And she's like, yeah, I think that they actually told me wrong information, a black woman. And of course she was like, I didn't know how to advocate for myself. So I just took mm-hmm. loans. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, no, you didn't Mm-hmm. So, well, we gonna get into it, girl. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing is finding students like you were saying, when some that are like in that little um, that space where they can make those type of decisions, whether or not they've lost their scholarships or um, or if it's time for them to take out loans, if they actually need those loans. Um, I started uh, connecting with students with those um, type of issues in an, in the academic advisement role. And um, and really wanted to learn more about how we can help those students uh, navigate their financial challenges. A position opened up where I could work with scholarships. Um, and so I've served as a coordinator in scholarships. And one of the things that con- um, I was in charge of was the um, a completion grant that helps students continue their education and close out and make sure that they can continue education with the proper funding. So long story short, uh, um, that's where financial literacy, I started, um, I did some certification in financial literacy and really started motivating me to continue that path and um, develop a better understanding of how financial aid works, how student loans work, and how students can navigate college with as little loan debt as possible. I'm proud to say that I helped a lot of students graduate with no debt, and I want to keep that going wow. um, part of my mission especially student of color, especially low students from a low income background. Yes. I just want to know where the time machine is so I could get in the time machine with Candace and go back to 2005. Well, that's what I would like. Where were you, ma'am? And that's another, that's another topic. There weren't a lot of faces like us, even, you know, 15, X amount of years ago when we (laughs) were in school, Mm. scratch that from the Mm -hmm. record. Um, <laughs> how many years <laughs> but um so yeah so basically 
Candace, based on your background, which we already knew, we did our last episode and like in the middle of recording, we were both like, we shouldn't have Candace on this episode. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. we was talking about a couple things that we was like, mm, we talking about experience, but let's get the professionals in here to tell us if she could validate our experiences as, you know, as truth compared to what she has seen. Right. Yes, you guys were so on point. Like, um, I hope um, to add to the conversation, but no, you guys, uh, you you ladies were on on point on all um, aspects as far as navigating loans, and that in many ways it, it's been a setup, um, and even the repayment process. Like, there are things that were um, put in Talk place. About that. Talk no, about the uh-uh. income-based repayment no. plan. Ma'am, we're we, we not there yet. We're not, we not there, there yet, yet, ma'am. We need, to, talk, we need to start at the 30,000 foot first. So. We, okay, we we at the planning phase of what Todd set up. We're going to get down to the actual <laughs> scheme in a minute. But all right. Get okay. us back there, Alicia. So, yes, we have <laughs> been discussing the cost of college, the impact of student loans, and other types of funding. So let's be clear. Student loan debt is now at one point seven. $3 trillion in the United you said States B? alone. You said B? B? It's, um, I mean, it's more you than B, B, girl. It's trillion. Ooh. What come after that? Because it's getting, it's going to get close. I too. don't know. Does that exist? Candace knows. She's, she's, um, she, she's a finance <laughs> She deal with the money. She's a money person. I think they say a quartillion or something. I don't know. I but... can't count that high. So, <laughs> but they said 1.73 trillion in the U.S. Let's be clear. U.S. Mm-hmm. So, let me give you some statistics first. 62% of the class of 2019. So, this is B.C. before COVID. All right. When things was cool, things were good, quote unquote. So the class of 2019 graduated with student debt, 62%. According to the most recent data available from, I got this from the Institute for College Access and Success. Um, That's a nonprofit organization. Among those 2019 graduates, the average student loan debt was, can you guess? Winsome, you were pretty good with the numbers last time. I'm going to say $50,000, bro. Actually less, about Twenty nine thousand. Mm, they they need to do that by race, but okay, we're gonna get into mm. that too. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a whole nother piece of the pie. So, average student loan debt twenty nine thousand dollars for those twenty nineteen grads, right? The average U.S. household with student debt owes about fifty seven thousand. So, you putting two people together basically is the assumption there. They're going to have about $57,000 worth of student debt. So that's according to Nerd Wallet, which I love. They have some good information over there. Among all, about all borrowers, women typically borrow more for college. We know this. We're going to talk about that some more. And they also attain more degrees when compared to their uh, male counterparts. According to, oh, and that was according to the American Association of University Women. Now, you just brought it up, Winsome. Black students do borrow more often and at greater amounts when compared with all other races and ethnicities, according to federal data. Hmm. Let me say it again. Hmm. 
black students borrow more and greater amounts when compared to other races and ethnicities. And that's federally, <laughs> so nationwide. That's Can just I add fact. something to that too? I'm sorry, Please. Go ahead. Please, I'm stopping right there. I just wanted to give y'all the facts. <sighs> I think I, I, right before you, before I let the expert chime in and give us her knowledge, let me just say this. I feel all this is correct, right? All of this is correct. And I want to make it very clear that it's important that to understand and seek a further understanding of the impact of the student loan debt situation, you have to center the experiences of Black people. You can't truly find a problem to student loan debt without centering the experiences of Black people. Because if you see the disparity between Black and white and then Black women as compared to other groups, like you have to center the marginalized and the most marginalized first to truly fix the issue. But yes, yes, Candice, tell us more. What I wanted to add to that is um, Black students hold on to the debt longer. Like, it's not yes. as if we're mm -hmm. making, and I'm saying we're because I have student debt, and mm -hmm. um, and it's been here, and, you know, Alicia was given our um, age away, but it's been with me for a while. <laughs> but we hold on to that debt longer, and it impacts our well-being, our financial well-being and opportunities um, to develop um, and grow and well. So let me tell y'all real quick about the scheme that Todd set up according to the Brookings Institute. Said <laughs> black people with college degrees have lower home ownership rates than white high school dropouts. White high school dropouts. Let me repeat that. High school dropouts. And I can't even get a piece of the pie. The price has gone up, honey. You have I know. to have a nice they penny have. for that. You have to have about a hundred thousand for some of these trailers out here. But hundred what, girl? Down the street from me is two fifty for a trailer. Yes. Oh no, that's a scheme that that Todd and his brother what? Terry set that one up. <laughs> hey, two hundred thousand for a trailer? You better find me some bricks and some wood and call it a house. But no, I do feel like those are the parts that people don't ever hear that like that debt straps onto us and it it just like oh young you know people ain't gonna like the hate when i bring up the word the s word just like slavery just like racism just like preferential voting just like a redistricting just like gentrification all of that comes along with you like you remember that meme where the girl was like pulling the bags into the new year and she going yeah. up the stairs mm -hmm. we're we pulling that we've been pulling that from the time we start college, and according to some of the most best, brightest minds, according to our last past president, President Barack Obama, he said that the best way to advance yourself, he said, no matter what you want to do with your life, I guarantee that you'll need an education to do it. He said that in 2009. So if it's a guarantee that I'm going to need the education, why is it causing me to be even further in the hole than the systemic racism that I was born? born with because of all of those things that you mentioned just now when some and we've talked about it before they're all compounding like compound interest i know hey. candace knows about that but basically they, interest when it worked for us when it, that's the positive thing not working again in this case the compounding is working against us because all of those things that winsome mentioned are the things that we're entering into these colleges and universities with we are not coming in with 
our education being paid for by mommy and daddy or by our trust funds or by the real estate that our family owns, the residual income that they're getting from or the those- 520, Or the 529 or plans the that we- taxable. I just learned that, that that's a way to basically transfer wealth to your child without having to really pay tax on it. What? Yes, ma'am. Yes, I mean, the, 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 the items are there. We just- And then have- after, talk about then after the situation, after the situation, then it's like mommy and daddy said they're gonna buy you a house as How a, as a, as a gift. It? How many times have we seen it? What's a town homes as a graduation gift? Girl, we went to Red Lobster. So we're we're coming in, like you said, like we talked about, we're coming in to, you know, in a race, everybody starts at the starting blocks. We haven't even entered the stadium, basically. And we're trying to catch up. That's the thing. Because we, um, you know, and I'm I maybe jumping ahead, but uh, talking about loan forgiveness. That's why loan forgiveness is so important to Black people. And I, I know that we're pushing for universal loan forgiveness, but it is extremely important for us because of the historical context that's around it. Winsome, you highlighted a lot of um, things that were in place that kept us from our wealth. We're owed this. We're owed a free education. We're owed, um, you know, we're owed the opportunity to go to school without falling into deep debt. Candace, you just said a bad word. Before we get to Grandpa Joe, um, <laughs> because it seemed that he done moseyed on down to the podcast and and heard he our, our, our pleas, our cries. He our... moseyed on down with good girl Kamala last week and heard us, guys. They heard us. As soon as we finished, as soon as it was posted, the news came out that we're going to talk about the public student loan forgiveness program. But we just want to get a, a general sense um, uh, across the college campuses what is the student spending looking like, Candace? How much are these students taking out? What are they doing with the money? How are they living through college? Are they working? Mm. Are they living high off the hog? Like, what is mm. it looking like these days? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a sensitive topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys. There is a narrative out there that students are borrowing and they're uh, spending on frivolous things. The students that I interact with are struggling. They don't want to take out debt. To their own detriment, they risk dropping out. They risk uh, creating undue stress on themselves. Like um, as far as like financial stress, they take on more hours um, as far as working. The students that I interact with um, are looking, they don't want to take out debt. They don't want to take on the student loans at all, um, but they do have to. And that's the, um, so that's that's why I say it's sensitive because there is a narrative out there that, and it's been out there for a while that students are um, wasteful um, of their funding. But when you have housing that costs more than my mortgage, <laughs> monthly. Um, I don't spend that much on, on food um, per semester. So there are other things that are at play. And um, 
I think that this is something that should be addressed, addressed systemically versus blaming students and, and their um, lack of financial literacy. Right. Um, they, yeah. So what you're clarifying for the people is that not everybody's in Tulum. Ma'am, if, <laughs> if you want to go to Tulum, just say that. All of, no, because this is what the people think. They think all the girls have taken the student loan money. They went to Tulum for spring break. And 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 Candace is correct because I I want to be very clear. When I was in college, and maybe it's, it was, I didn't know, so I won't say that it didn't exist, but I, I went to a, a small PWI. I do not remember my school having a food pantry. I remember them having resources to tell you where to go, but they did not have a food pantry. I have done my research and called other colleagues at other schools in this death Santa state and have been told that almost every school has a food pantry when higher education institutions have to collect canned food and other forms of you know other food for their students to be able to eat while they have full-on meal plans on campus this is where we have to get to the cross-section of like not everybody is it's again in Tulum. Not problem, everybody's there. It's the problem of capitalism, man, because we expect you to come here. We expect you to pay for these credits to get this degree. You need to pay the tuition. You need to pay the fees. You need to purchase the books. But guess what? We know that you're hungry. You don't have food. You might be suffering from food insecurity. And also you might be going through um housing insecurity so what mm -hmm. we'll do we'll we'll get the food pantry because we know we care about our students and actually that's a you know this is not to go too off topic but that's a complete lie because i actually had a student one time come and was completely i am so glad like she was able to graduate but she was homeless yeah. when she walked into the admissions office and we took her to students would help um like um it's the office that helps students that have like concerns like yeah um, yes and they were like, well, we don't really know. Like, um, we, we have like two rooms on campus per semester to help students in this situation, but both of them have already been taken. So we can't help her. And I'm like, so she's, where's she supposed rooms? to sleep to? Two. And I, for, for a university, have over 50,000 people. I'm like, so where's she supposed to go tonight? And they had no explanation. It was completely, completely bureaucratic. And they, they had they nothing. They took her tuition dollars though, right? They definitely took her tuition dollars because it was coming through Bright Futures. So that's another conversation with like, okay, mm. so the tuition, be very clear, parents, at higher ed education institutions, as far as I have seen, the tuition ain't the problem, baby. Like Candace said, the problem is the $10,000 housing charge that you gonna get because your child been placed in a room because you paid your housing deposit too late and the only rooms left are the ten dollars to $11,000 rooms. And that is the issue. And then the rooms are subpar anyway. Have y'all seen what's happening at Howard? The oh, good yes. students of Howard have paid their coins, their cents, and their dollars to live on the campus. And now they are occupying the student center because the housing is moldy and cruddy. I heard they got roaches, girl. Rat infested. Y'all oh. watch um, Howard uh, TikTok? No. <laughs> Yeah, they have a um, a thread. Um, you know, you follow their hashtag, you get a lot of oh, videos of what's go going on. Oh, well, I can't. You know, I'm afraid of the rats and the roaches. I can't watch too much of that. But yeah, you gotta give my, my student dollars when you because I know the housing costs. Like I know for a fact they're charging them upwards of 
a coin, you know, like people think like housing on campus comes as a part of the tuition dollars. No, no the tuition no. is to sit in the classroom where colleges and universities make their big money is their big one is making sure that, oh yeah, you have a super single and you have a room just to yourself and charging you. Honestly, parents, if y'all listen again, me and can me and Alicia and Candace be talking to y'all. Listen clearly. If you could afford to get them the mortgage, just do the mortgage when Might they start well. college because you're gonna pay the mortgage to the good Might people at the well. universities. Get the condo in the college town now when your children are born, okay? By the time they're ready to go, you'll have paid the majority of it. They can live there for free. And once they're done, you continue to rent it out and you have your resi your residual income there. You and honestly, it out if it's more than a one-bedroom, if it's more than a one-bedroom, they could rent to a few of their friends. They could collect the coin from the friends. Simple as that. Don't say we didn't give y'all nothing against Todd. <laughs> so basically what I'm getting is, which, I mean, we, we, we know that the tuition is just the base of the costs of college. Um, the housing is going to cost you. The food is going to cost you. The transportation is going to cost you. The living and breathing is going to cost everything that we do in the real world out here is also going to cost you on the college campus or around the college campus for that matter, because we know them apartment complexes that are around the college campuses, the prices are disgusting. And y'all know they charge them for parking in some of these um, complexes? What they need to be charging is to make sure that the children are them safe, but we're going to talk about that another <sighs> day. So they're paying for on-campus parking and they're paying for um, off-campus in these um, housing. Where, where they another live. Expense. So you have to pay where you live as well. Child, at this point, just do the online degree program. Do the online that's a whole different that's a whole different episode because let me tell you <laughs> what these administrators are more afraid more afraid of than what did I call it Alicia what I said retention and persistence together was resistance uh, resistance <laughs> what they are more scared of that is the resistance that they're gonna get when these kids say give me this degree online or I don't want it and that's what they don't want. Their capital infrastructure. They're going to say, leave them buildings alone. You don't need to renovate nothing. I at home with my parents anyways. 13th mm -hmm. grade. A lot of them did 13th grade at home last year and figured out, why would I pay you to come there? I'm going to sit here with mom and dad and get this degree and go get this assistantship or internship in my own hometown. I'm never going to leave and I can still get the degree. And, and let's be clear, these Gen Z kids are being raised by Gen X. Gen X is a lot more lenient than our boomer parents, okay? Because we are millennials. The Gen X parents and the Gen Z parents actually get along. The Gen Zs are not running to get away from home like we were. <laughs> they are fine at the house. Of course, because mom is like sister. They do TikToks together. That's it. That's it. They have a whole social media empire. If one leaves, the followers going to stop. And I mean, can't knock them. Can't knock them. I mean, we could go down the rabbit hole on that, but I really want to get to Grandpa Joe and Auntie Kamala. <laughs> yes, he's not Uncle Joe anymore. He, That man is old. <laughs> Respectfully. Respectfully. <laughs> so, Grandpa Joe and Auntie Kamala came on down to the Apple Podcasts or the Spotify or the Google or the Amazon Music 
You can find us on all platforms. <laughs> we are we are on all platforms, ladies. Tell a friend to tell a friend. <laughs> maybe maybe Uncle Barack shared a link or something. But basically, you know, as soon as we spoke the words, because you know, life and death, the power of life and death is in the tongue. So, you know, as soon as the words were spoken, when we touched and agreed, two or more gathered together. We were gathered. The church said <laughs> and clapped their hands and they heard the podcast. And they heard it and all of a sudden they said, you know what? We need to help those people that have attained the levels of education needed to support our economy to teach our children to run our businesses. We need to support those people because they are suffering under the crippling load of student debt. We are going to overhaul the public student loan forgiveness program. And let's be clear, we hadn't heard a little bit about it over the last four years. We thought it had died and been buried. Some of us had a whole funeral for the public public (laughs) student loan forgiveness. I I did. I said, oh, I guess it's gone. Barack left, and I said, it's gone. Especially with you-know-who. I was like, oh, that's that's eradicated. And then Aunt Kamala heard us. Good girl, good up was listening. And then, <laughs> boom, now we have an overhaul. So let's talk about the overhaul. Oh, what are they doing okay. for us? So, so let's talk about the Public Student Loan Forgiveness Program. Basically, for folks who choose to work in the public sector, nonprofit, education, there are several um, areas that fall under this. You uh, are able to wipe away uh, certain portions of your student loan, public student loans. So if you have private loans, those will not count under this. But for your public loans that you got from the Department of Education, you would qualify for the forgiveness of that debt if you meet certain requirements. So working for any of those public sector industries, education, et cetera, like I just mentioned. Um, The other things that you have to meet, you have to make 120 monthly on-time payments of your student loans. So you pay your bills monthly, right? 120 is 10 years, (laughs) 10 years. And let's be clear, the public student loan forgiveness program was birth from Uncle Barack. Okay, so it has not been around that long. This is uh, 2008, 2009, I believe it started. So the first folks to really gain a foothold on the forgiveness, the, the loan forgiveness, were just a couple years ago, 2019. And what we found out is those people in 2019 who said, I have reached the 10 year mark. I have taught in public school systems. I have worked in nonprofits. I have done X, Y, and Z, and I've made my monthly payments for the last 10 years. I would now like to apply to be forgiven for the rest of my debt. They were told, no, no, no. (laughs) See, what you didn't do was jump through two hoops of fire, run over to Brooklyn Bridge and get me some cheesecake from Junior's, come back, Ride a tricycle, a unicycle, and balance a ball on your head. You didn't do that, though. So you can't be forgiven. So now we're at the point where people cannot uh, 
meet the requirements through the ending of President Obama's term into the four years that we won't talk about. And now we get Grandpa Joe, Auntie Kamala. We're begging, they finally answered. So there are waivers to some of the restrictions that have been a part of this program. They have made it a lot more lenient, but only for a short period of time. So again, you have to work for a qualifying employer. You have to make your monthly payments. You have to have specific types of loans. So again, not private loans. Uh, and previously they had to be uh, classified under a specific repayment plan. And Candace with some y'all know about all the different repayment plan options and all the evilness of Sally Mae and Navia and Fed Loan and all them people. But what they changed was now um, they're retroactively counting some of the loans that did not classify under the uh, program previously. So now they count. And uh, we will definitely drop a link in the show notes so that you guys can learn more about the Public Student Loan Forgiveness Program and the changes and how you might benefit. We'll definitely drop that link. But now some of these loans that didn't count before, now they count. You may be able to get them forgiven. You also, um, let's see here. In addition, the education department will now count any prior payment made as qualifying towards the 120 needed, regardless of loan type, repayment plan, or whether the payment plan was made in full or on time, as long as the borrower has a direct loan. So partial payments, those made in an extended repayment plan and late payments will now all count towards your 120 full payments that have to be made. Does that make sense? It does. It seems a little, um, I'm trying to wrap my head around it still, but it seems like um, we may be provided with some help. So, mm-hmm. you know, so here's a I'm catch. thankful. Here's a catch. This loophole where they're basically like, come one, come all, it's only going to last until October of 2022. So we only have a year to figure this out? Yes. So the waivers, the late payments that will still count as full payments, the partial payments that will still count, the different loan types that they didn't accept before that now they're saying, yes, bring those loans. We will forgive them if you meet the, the minimum qualifications at this point. All of those waivers will only last until October of 2022. Now, that's unless they make some sort of permanent, you know, grandfathered in change. But this is basically them using um, the HEROES Act to waive these rules for a short period of time. Are there any other loan types that we might have missed that do? Because I know a lot of parents take out loans on behalf of their students. So do those qualify? Well, the Parent PLUS loans did not count before and still do not count. They don't? Do they? They do count, yeah. Uh, Parent PLUS loans actually counted before. um, And that was the thing. Um, That information wasn't widely known. Um, Well, they're still lying about it because I did my research and I couldn't find that. Yeah, um, and I'll share the link with that information. Because we're going to post it. That is, so I think people that may not understand specifically like 
how Parent PLUS loans work. So when your family does not have a 529 plan or the cash that they've been saving from your trust fund. You didn't have to do that. Along with the money that they paid to get you into the college and your SAT scores increase. We're not talking about them. We are not, but I'm just, it's a caveat. You know, these people are in a bucket. They're in a bucket together. (laughs) So if your parents are not part of that bucket, okay, guys, um, a lot of parents end up taking up Parent PLUS loans Mm-hmm. And now mommy and daddy are saying, we feel so bad because we've strapped you with generational, you know, um, I wouldn't say generational curses, but you know, you've been strapped with like generational barriers. So let's go back now and let's like, okay, we're going to try to help and we're going to go ahead and take a loan for you. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> Todd Dunn brought Terry Terrence. No, I think this is a Mama Joyce cook-up right here. This is a Mama Joyce recipe, honestly. Well, the good news is that the Parent PLUS loans are now eligible for forgiveness as well, is what you're saying. So I wonder how that works if the if it's in the parent's name, though. How does that get... That's something we need to find out. But, the, but they have been main, making payments, too. So they would have to just show their 120 qualifying payments. Correct, but they would still also have to have the other requirements met. So working for a qualified employer. So what if the parent is not? How does that how does that come like you know what I'm saying? So if my mother does not work for a qualifying employer and she has a parent plus for me, does that get wrapped up with mine and get forgiven? Or how does that work? Seems like a scheme. <laughs> Yet another scheme. So this is how I'm understanding it. Um, the parent plus loan belongs to that parent. So they're going to have to meet the qualification under their loan agreement. So that includes the 120 um, payments. I would assume that it also includes the um, the type of employment as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. see, that's where yeah, that is a that is something that just hasn't really been clarified it i know that it 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 is included in the um scope of um, the public service loan forgiveness it is i'm gonna get wrapped up it is and the good girls on the federal student aid website say first your pslf eligibility is based on your qualifying employment not on the employment of the dependent student on whose behalf you borrowed so yeah so now the parent have to have a 825 hour job and the student have to have an 825 for our job too so we all finna be in it forever nobody ain't finna have nothing this is just this just stressful so they can't develop everybody gotta go back to the cotton field and pick cotton nobody can go on their own land this is a scheme why i say this is a scam right let's think about this most parents that are taking out a parent plus loan are parents that do not have a college degree. So they are hoping that the student may go off to college, right? Or if they don't, if they do have a degree to an extent that they do not have the wealth that comes behind the degree, right? Or the wealth that's supposed to come behind the degree. So they're taking on a parent plus loan for this student. Then when it's all done, you and the student got to go find a job in public service. What that don't pay. Mm -hmm. So, None of us can't own nothing. Mm-hmm. So all of us going to lay on the street and sleep together. I mean, I I only hope that 
one of the parent or the child has met the requirements. So at least some of the debt can be erased. That's all we can hope for at this point. I mean, you know, we're about to, if we haven't already, we're about to hit that 10 year mark, the three of us. So we hopefully can cross the finish line and submit the, all the paperwork and jump through the hoops of fire uh, before October 31st, 2022, so that we can get the debt forgiven. So putting it on your calendars, I will be checking back in with you all uh, starting January again in June. Make sure that you guys have submitted what you need to submit because before they drag uncle, excuse me, uh, grandfather Joe out of the white house, we need to make sure don't, we take advantage. Nobody bring that bad energy <laughs> here on this podcast tonight. Everybody going to go out and vote. We're not doing this. Because if they drag you him out, they, they you know, they, they might, do not want him in there, girl. But they might drag some other trash back in and we can't do that. Cause they'll make us repay what we done got forgiven. They'll come back and say that was a lie mm-hmm. and we want the money back. Mm-hmm. So no. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, for the time being is good news. So all of you all who are working in public service, uh, any police officers, does nursing count? Nurses? It depends on where where they work. They're um, employed. That's okay. the so you could, uh, if you're in medical field and you're working for a nonprofit or a government yes. entity, health educators, be, educators, uh, teachers, educators, educators, all of you mm-hmm. all go ahead and run the numbers on uh, how long you've been working, how many payments you have been making and start getting your paperwork together. Your uh, uh, employment, your HR offices are going to be slammed with these uh, applications that they need to help fill out. So get started as soon as possible would be my advice. And I was um, processing um, what Winston was saying about Parent Plus Loan. The, one of the areas of, as far as like of research that I've been curious about is that middle income uh, pocket mm-hmm. um, because that's what I've observed. Um, not necessarily the uh, lower income who have uh, qualified for Parent PLUS loan because there's a credit check associated with it. Mm-hmm. And this is not to say that there is, um, that that is not something that someone from a low income could um, have um, qualifying uh, credit for it. But the, the population that is taking it out that I've um, noticed is, it, and this is what I observe, I haven't run the data on it um, exactly, um, I'm, just, I'm suspecting it's that middle area um, where they may have made um, some good money, some good money along the way, uh, but the expenses um, of just regular living made it hard to save for college and have that 529. So now you're in that murky middle. And I think we need to pay attention to that population because that population doesn't necessarily qualify for grants. Um, that's the, that's it. Speak on. Then they're relying heavily on loans. That's Let, it. Let's talk about this again. Income does not mean wealth, people. I want y'all to hear this. Income does not mean wealth because income is impacted by debt, and when debt impacts income, it precludes you from having a five twenty nine and excess cash to buy the condo for the kid. 
that's going after college in the Mercedes Benz. I mean, and we already know the middle class holds the burden of the majority of the debt in this country. We pay the highest tax rates. I mean, makes sense. Well, but isn't the black middle class different from the middle class? Well, girl, oh, if we were to talk about that. It's fragile. It's fragile. It, it, it's not something that, um, you know, you can go from one end to the other in a lifetime. And so, it can be yes. gone in an instant. Yeah. It, one generation to the next. One family member only. Oh, that's all it takes. That's <laughs> that rich all uncle. it takes. That's and that's it. So honestly, if you hearing us again, because I know y'all came down, moseyed on down to this little old ghetto little life out here. <laughs> if y'all moseyed on down again and y'all passing the podcast around the White House, I'm going to just tell y'all straight up. The only requirements that we need for public loan forgiveness or for loan forgiveness, because it shouldn't be tied to public loans. True. Or public service, excuse me. Right. The only requirement we need is have your ancestors been owned by anybody else? You know what? Mm. And with that, Woo. we are going to uh, mosey on down to the next segment. <laughs> mm. Ooh, thank you for the insight, Candace. We are going to continue the conversation in our next segment. Okay, so it's time for the teachable moment. So this is where we give you the scoop on how to maneuver through some of those tough situations in college or on the job. So since we have Candace with us, we definitely want to highlight some of your recent work, Candace, that was very relevant to the discussion that we're having today that we've been having for a couple of weeks now. Um, this is important to our listeners. So please tell us more about your recently published article titled Exploring Black Graduate Women's Perceptions of Student Loan Debt. Thank you for asking. The experience of pulling this all together was amazing and challenging. We started this project. Um, first, I served as uh, um, author two on this project. So the lead author um, author one um, did the research and and also facilitated the um, interview um, and gathered the data um, on this. So um, greatly appreciate her for pulling, join, um, bringing us all together with researcher three. So this started in 2019. This project at the um, towards the end of it and throughout 2020 and all the things that were going on, including the protests, we worked on this project. Um, it was our, our, it's a labor of love. It was our protest, or at least I consider it a pro, my form of protest and advocacy um, because I knew that this was extremely important to tell these women's story, the stories that I relate to as a black woman navigating my education. Um, and I think our voices need to be heard in this, um, in this area. Just wanted to, you know, give honor to my sister, sister scholars um, like yourselves who are doing the work and really trying to uh, raise the voice of Black women. Um, so this research, uh, just uh, for the most part, just in general, and I'll just um, read the abstract to give a, a clear idea. The purpose of this qualitative study was to explore Black women in graduate school and their experiences with financing their education and perception about student loan debt. 
findings from the experience of six Black women enrolled in graduate programs with the within the College of Education highlights inequality in institutional funding and student loan borrowing. Two, um, two research questions set the scope of the study. One, what are the lived um, experiences of Black graduate uh, women funding their education? And then two, what are the perceived long-term implications of Black uh, graduate women repaying student loans? Two things were identified uh, from the first research question. It's an investment of se in self. Feels like a continuous uh, wait. Also, two things resulted uh, from second uh, research questions, which were, you don't go and get a PhD without funding, and I'm not fixing to starve. In conclusion, we offer a recommendation for reparation in the form of scholarships, ransom, <laughs> affordable master's program, and guaranteed, guaranteed loan forgiveness, along with implication of future research based on the results from the study. So, um, go ahead. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, because we just told somebody the other day about this hair right here. Uh, what was her name? Clarice. <laughs> we told Clarice the other day to do not go get these people a PhD and pay for it. You don't go and get a PhD with a funding. Yeah, Clarice, if you out there listening right now, we were mama, we done told you this. Now we got an expert in here to tell you again. We if these people here. want your research, let them fund it. So the other, the other, uh, result or comment that you just made candace is i'm not fixing to starve trying to get this this yeah. education and that's the thing is that there's this perception that people are borrowing loans and just using it and like frivolously it is people are struggling they're they're uh, mm -hmm. taking care of themselves into <laughs> the bare minimum but also People do want to be happy. That's um, I wanted to add that as well, because we often talk about, oh, OK, they're just paying for food. They're just paying for a place to stay. But why not be able to enjoy yourself sometime mm -hmm. um, and take advantage of these um, these opportunities that are presented to you, like through study abroad? Um, there is nothing wrong with that, but there should be um, more funding options besides student loans to uh, fund education. Um, so one of the things that came up, or some of the things that came up, is that there was a sense of debt aversion. These students did not want to take out loans. They wanted to avoid it to the best of their ability, and it was absolutely like their last option. Mm -hmm. And you got the sense of sort of a, a defeat because it was like, I don't want to do this, but they wanted, they're very passionate about their education. Um, and they recognized that it was an investment um, into themselves, um, which that's another conversation is that black women find that it's important to continue their education for economic growth. That mm -hmm. pressure is strong. Mm -hmm. Alicia is going to have to add the echo on that. Sit up again. Sit up one time again for them. You can because a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people consistently feel like black women get graduate degrees to show off. Yeah, I feel like, and let me just say, I feel like some black men feel that way. Who? Who? Well, some of y'all out there feeling like these black women out here getting these degrees to show off on y'all. I don't think it's that. It's just to get some form of, you know, money. 
equal pay. So we have to go like three times or three steps ahead. I mean, y'all the PhD candidates, honey. That's not my ministry. So, but 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 <laughs> you but but no, but you have an MBA. Which before they were doing this new like what is it called a DBA? A MBA was like terminal in business. Like it, that's what you was. got. Like it was. it was a terminal degree in business. Mm-hmm. Did you go back to get your MBA so you could floss and be like, yeah, I'm so and so MBA? Or you went back just so you could? Because you know, right now, you talked about the, that girl. Undergrad is um what I'm calling <laughs> um, extended high school, thirteenth grade. You ain't finna get nothing with a bachelor's degree. You're not going... Let me be grammatically correct so the people don't think I'm uneducated. Oh, God. You're not going to receive the financial compensation necessary to take care of your life with a bachelor's degree. Now, let's be clear, Winsome, because I think this is probably going to be our next topic. You can have all the degrees that you want to. These jobs is not paying. And that's why we have that's the true. uprising that we're having right now. But we're going to talk about that at a later date because that <laughs> is so juicy to me because of my background. I cannot wait to talk more about the revolution that is happening in the space of work. But anyway. So, Candace, these people, these women, let me be clear. You you guys were exploring black graduate black. women. So, black women in graduate degrees. So, bachelors and above. So, masters and PhDs. Mm-hmm. And okay. that's the other piece is that um, also notice that we're looking at college of education. And that goes back to what you guys were, you ladies, were talking about last week <laughs> about the type of programs that yes. black women tend to lean towards um, as far as their education, looking into helping fields. Um, So I know PSLF has a lot of challenges and definitely, as you see, we advocate for uh, Mm -hmm. guaranteed loan forgiveness. Mm -hmm. This is something that is going to, especially these updates to it, the waiver that's existing is going to help black women. Yeah. Um, Because that's who's, that's, you know, that's where we are. And that's who needs it. Then that's most likely who will take advantage of it, right? Um, some concerns? I, I am all but concerned, child. The racial disparities that I see, the disparities in graduate funding. I mean, I don't know if the people want to hear me talk about this. We can hear the echo on my voice. But let me just say this on this box as I get up on this box in the town square. All colleges and universities need to provide more graduate assistantships, research assistantships, and postdoctoral scholar opportunities outside of STEM. Mm. We understand that tech is the future solution for our present dilemmas, but without teachers and educators, we cannot make it there. So when I go on these websites for these universities and all I see is postdoctoral medicine, mm-hmm. postdoctoral mm-hmm. pharmacy, postdoctoral what where's the where where are the postdocs in education what school have them what where are those opportunities because they don't exist man and that's why there are a lot of people that don't even think about going back to get a phd because what's the point some of them are not even pursuing the bachelor's in the education majors because the college of education at their institution at their institution is not saying much and some of them don't even have the College of Education at their institution. And some of their institutions are trying to get rid of their, of their college, college of education. Because, so we don't have a, a, a college of education at an educational institution? That's what we do? So so we educate us, but we can't educate? So what we doing? 
I mean, that that is the reason why there are 5,000 uh, empty teaching positions in the state of Florida right now. But we'll talk about that at another time. This is about Candace right now. Let's get back into this article. So, so g- explain to people. So when you get to grad school, because people think, some people may not understand. And when you get to grad school, unless you have an assistantship or a scholarship through your department, most of this is loans. Like, you don't have a choice. There's no... Pell grant for grad school. No. And that's the thing is that you, when you're in grad school, it's different from undergrad. So yeah, you had your housing, your meal plans, but now you have grown up bills. So it's, there's, and that's what the study also revealed is that, you know, those things um, also include utilities and, and car payment. And there's so many other um, things that go along with, um, funding education beyond the tuition and fees. So um, the study talks um, a lot, well, um, reveals some of those pieces. I also want to um, bring up something that I think we were about to go into, but just the impact of dating, like loans, student loans and dating. So, Kenneth, that hit me in my heart, that section, mm, that wait, of it. Me too. Was you, was you talking to me? Was you talking to me? I feel like he was talking directly to me. Oh. <laughs> with, that, with that part? I wasn't calling you out. Who said student loan and doing what? Dating. Listen, that is that is a real life piece of the puzzle when yeah, you are out there dating as a black, an educated black woman. I ran into that. But, but I'm stumbling on my words here because I feel like I'm being psychoanalyzed, right? Okay. So <laughs> I'll say this without putting all my business in the people government streets. I have actually thought about this because I, as you attain education or even before as a black woman, right? You kind of, your parents, if you were raised the way that I was raised and the people on this podcast today was raised, your mama may have gone through some situations, but even if she didn't, she taught you what to go there and look for a good man, right? So you done had your college days. You done messed around with Todd and the scheme that he set up. But now you're looking for you a good, mm-hmm. financially secure mm-hmm. partner. And I've always felt like, why should I look for something that I am not? And this is just me being very open and transparent. Mm-hmm. If I have student loan debt, how dare me tell him don't come in with student loan debt? But, but I don't want but baby, it. But baby, that's <laughs> smart. Because guess what? I carry all the debt in my family. My husband has zero student loan debt. And but, it but, had to be that way. It Alicia, had to be that way. Good up, good up front, Alicia. Okay. <laughs> Let me explain to you. The young gentleman that you married loves you daily. It ain't many of them out here that's saying, <laughs> oh, girl, you got that? All right, call. Well, I ain't got none, but let's build together. The, these, right. They're picky. Candace has a point. Like, she has touched on a point, which, I mean, we ain't trying to be here for six years and a day. But this class may be a little longer than others because I think people understand it impacts every part of your life. I somehow yeah. feel like even yeah. after you give me the degree, you cross the stage. And granted, like you said, Candace and I are both doctoral candidates. We pray that 2022 is going to see us through. That's the motto. 2022, mm-hmm. we out. Mm-hmm. Okay? But the question is, when you finish and you have the student loan debt, does your life really begin? Because if you're strapped with debt, like you kind of feel like, well, this is the back end part. Now I have to pay for the mess that I made. So if if the income-based repayment plan ain't going ever, because there have been studies that say income-based repayment plans are intentionally meant for you never to pay off your debt. 
Yeah. So as a single black woman, do I just wait around and hope that eventually I'll be able to pay it off and then I can start my life? Because dating is awkward with student loan debt. Like it is mm-hmm. awkward. Mm-hmm. It's awkward. You and feel that's... like they can see the depths of your soul. And that's a good point. I don't know if Candace can share more about what she learned from her yes. participants. So now I'll put it on my financial counseling hat because <laughs> this is where I... And I, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I do have debt. I've always been encouraged with the thought that I have a plan. Like, mm-hmm. yes, the debt is here, um, but I have a plan. And yes, PSLF is part of the plan. And thank goodness for the new waiver, because that gave me a better chance. But when I talk about it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say there's a plan. There's a payment plan. There's, this is what I'm doing. I'm budgeting. I have a strategy. Um, yes, I, I mean, would, if they, they, I would agree. if they can't, you know, deal with it, then that's fine. But this is, this is part of like my path, um, and my pursuit of my education. You know, I could go into other pieces, especially when black women talk about pursuing education at, um, a higher level of education. I know Winston was um, touching on that just a little bit, but some things is just, if they, they can't um, get with it, then you just have to move on. But the other piece that came up also with that, to go just a little further into dating, one of the um, participants also talked about the possibility of having children and building family. Oh my and I thought that was really important because one oh of the things goodness. that I've heard in this journey when we talk about why Black women have more debt is that people assume that black women are baby mamas and that's why we have debt. There's only one baby mama on the mic right now. (laughs) First of all, let's be clear. That's a wife on the mic right now. The rest of us only child out here with Riley. Okay. He, he, the shit too in charge. That's it girls. Like what do you, but those are very good points because that like I can share when my husband and I were dating, that was a discussion. And like Candace said, I told him, here's my plan. I budget. I pay monthly. I am holding on to the to the belief that a future Barack will come in and, you know, make student loan forgiveness happen. And it looks like that's what's going on with Grandpa Joe. Um, but that was a conversation that we had to have on several occasions. And he was with it. So we we're good. The children conversation, that was a financial decision. It wasn't a, I'm having baby fever decision. It was a financial decision. And I think it's important to look at Black women putting off having children until they're much older and have completed education and attained certain career levels or choosing not to have children at all. And I have spoken to plenty that have said it was not a choice that they made when they were young. You know, you meet some people that are auntie forever. I don't want to have no kids. I'm good. That was not the choice that they made. It was it was a, a, a force type of situation where I wanted to pursue these other things and it just precluded me from doing that part of life that I also was interested in. And I want to say, because this is something that tends to be like um, a sensitive topic, a lot of stuff. I I just get passionate about this stuff because I care so much. 
when we say baby mama, this there's a negative connotation with that. When we say single mom um, or single black mom, there's a negative connotation. And I really want us to get rid of that because there's a lot of strength in what mothers do for black mothers do for this country, for this world. So um, I, I take a lot of grief when people say that this is why black women have de debt because they're, um, they're single mothers or their baby mamas. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with being that. There's nothing wrong with establishing a family right. on your own or um, with someone. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. But to just associate that in a negative manner, it, it, it bothers me. Um, and then also, like you were saying, yeah, we're pushed into this decision. Life handed us a lot of these um, situations and you have to make the best of it. And then you reach a, a point where you're like, hey, this is a matter, a matter of fact. Like I'm older now. I'm pursuing career opportunities. I've wrapped up a um, portion of my life. Like by the time I finish my PhD, I'll be on the other side of um, closer to 40. So there are some realities that sit, uh, sit in there. But also there's um, acceptance and peace with that as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, and yeah, in the study, just related back to the study and not just to my personal experiences, um, I think the uh, participants had to process those things and um, of what society has pushed them to. Ooh. Y'all ain't already heard it. That was a word. Y'all need, the link going to be in the bio. Go out there and read this article. Yeah. Like, it, it, it reads like a story. It is honestly one of the most, um, powerful pieces I've read in a, in a in a minute because I think a lot of times people like to center conversations about financial freedom around quantitative data. And this study is centered around, and quantitative meaning the numbers, and this study is centered around, like Candice said, the lived experiences, so the stories. Mm -hmm. and, and we know how keen Black communities are to storytelling, right? Oh, yeah. That's how we pass along the important messages to each other. And I think it's really important to like, if, even if you are undergrad, if especially listen, Clarice, mm -mm. I think I think we actually sent this article out there to Clarice. Clarice, yeah, we did respond to Clarice's email and share we the did. article. We did. <laughs> Clarice, go take it, take it, uh, print it out, go and put it on your wall. And any other young black woman, print it out and put it someplace where you can read it. And if you are raising a black woman that is about to be finished with a bachelor's and you are a parent, print it out and read it. Because mm -hmm. it's going to be important for you to understand why she's seeking a graduate degree. Because as I already said, 13th grade, not going to give her no money to start the family and the life that she wants yeah. to start. Right. Yeah. So even I know parents don't want to hear this, but if you're raising a black woman, like even beyond undergraduate, have these kind of conversations. It's really important, like, you know, to, to look and speak with and read the work by scholars, <laughs> like Miss Candace Marie, so that you could kind of understand the perspective, you know, coming from a black woman, like d this is the perspective of other black women. And, it, and it's very important. It's very important. Coming work. coming from the ones who racked up all the debt before you listen to us and, and we've learned the do's and the don'ts. So basically the advice is weigh your pros and your cons when you are thinking about your educational choices Think about 
the amount of money that you are going to make versus what you are spending in order to gain the education. Do not pay for any degrees after a bachelor's. Make them pay you. Am I missing anything? We already told y'all this last week. Go and find a job at them people institution and take them three to four or five or six credits they're going to give you for the free. Mm -hmm. All right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. that's how you pay for this education. Or if you can, again, I don't spoke to these people out here with this white male culture that they have. Stop only having these post doc opportunities for people in STEM and then centering them around white male privilege topics in the fields. Okay. Stop doing it. Okay. I'm, I'm going to have to chastise y'all next week again for something. All right. Help your tribe out and do something better. Like we asking kindly, we're not gonna ask much more. <laughs> I mean, and to to those like like the two of you that get over the hump and have the opportunity to do these types of research, you got to pull the people up behind you. So that's Listen, a key to y'all too. That's a whole nother uh, topic for another discussion. <laughs> and Candice and I do y'all gonna stop asking me why I hire young black females in my office? Y'all is gonna stop asking one day. Y'all are gonna stop asking that. To black women, why they hire other black women? Please stop it. We would really appreciate it if mm-hmm. y'all would stop. Thank you. Yeah, I'm. Um, one thing that you um, all mentioned earlier is like, where was that person in your life, like mm-hmm. undergrad, who mm-hmm. could speak on um, personal finance outside of the classroom, but mm-hmm. actual like lived experiences, actual financial decisions that you have to make day to day as a college student. And that's what motivates me because I'm look. I I want to be the person that I wish I interacted with. Mm-hmm. So I'm working not only as I um, share this information. I'm also doing um, healing for myself. I'm also advocating for myself. I'm also correcting some of the mistakes I've made as well. So this is also a personal journey. Um, and so doing this type of work and research, it helps me and it helps. And I just, I love putting that investment um, in Black women. Because like I said, it, it, it's something that also heals me. Candace, I think you just uh, verbalized why the three of us even work in education. Um, we're helping our younger selves. And I don't think I have mm-hmm. quite been able to verbalize it in that way before. But that's mm-hmm. what it is. You used to hit that spot on. We are helping our younger selves. So... I think that gives me a little bit more motivation, at least until October 31st, 2022. We got this. <laughs> I, I appreciate I, I mean, your, your saying I have that. so many ideas to help address this, but I, I, I don't want us to, I know we're, we're talking about the things that we um, advocating for, but I, I don't want us to lose hope. And I don't, and I definitely want us to take action and come up with a strategy before this policy was put in place, I was, I'm like, if I have to do it myself, (laughs) but this isn't going to be my life. Like I'm not going to be burdened by this loan. I'm moving forward. And so there I was, you know, processing that. And that's what I want to do as I uh, work on building my practice. I want to come up with a plan. I want to work with black women to come up with a plan Mm because I believe if you help black women, you're going to help other people. It's going to, it's going to trickle down. So, well, child, you mean go upstream? Upstream. Because, yeah. <laughs> when you say black women, you know they put us. Well, rising tide lifts all boats. So. Yeah. Oh, say it again, Alicia. 
a rising tide lifts all boats. So, well, thank you for sharing uh, your research, Candice. We truly enjoyed reading through and learning more about the perceptions of Black women as it pertains to higher education and their their uh, student debt. Can I give a little shout out to Please my do. sister scholars? Um, thank you, uh, Dr. Danielle Bostick um, and Dr. Lamisha Brown um, for your support and just really proud um, to have this experience um, and share this experience with you three or two. And again, we are going to link that article in the show notes so everybody will be able to take a gander at what you have done um, and the good work that you are continuing to do. We'll also share your um, any socials that you have where they can connect with you online, follow your work. Um, we'll share that in the show notes as well. So hopefully that information helped uh, somebody. If it didn't help y'all, it helped us. So let's move on. Okay, so we do not have a letter today. When some, I think we covered a lot of information, great stuff, great research from our good friend Candace. I've learned a lot from myself. I'm looking forward to Grandpa Joe's uh, changes, and uh, hopefully he will make some permanent changes that will help people coming after us. I am excited about that. But um, yeah, what's your takeaway today? Um, uh, My takeaway is to get on the good foot and figure out what's going on with the PSLP. F. P- oh, F. Mm-hmm. 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 The PSLF. Yeah. Oh, the forgiveness. Can't leave out yes. the, the key word. I don't know why I thought the last was payment. It's because I've been paying too much. <laughs> um, so I'm going to get on the good foot with my scholars here, uh, my sisters, and try to figure that out before. What was the date again, Alicia? October 31st, 2022. I'm going to send you a calendar invitation. Y'all you know, that's right before it. the 2022 midterm elections. Y'all better go out and vote so that we could get it extended a little longer. Y'all out here playing. Y'all, you, y'all see how these dates call it? Mm-hmm. It's right prior to midterm elections when the tide can switch, okay? And we ain't out here to advocate no specific political uh, party, but y'all just get out there and vote yes. and do what y'all need to do, okay, people? Thank you very much. I'll be down so, to the polls. I'm going to be down to the polls. I would give y'all a ride, but they say COVID's still going to be around, so I can't. I will <laughs> show you how to get your ballot online, if possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I just think you guys have encouraged me in a lot of ways because I did not notice prior to tonight's conversation with Candace how, you know, the burdens of student loan debt kind of just impact every aspect of my life and kind of have, since undergrad, kind of caused me in many ways to be stagnant and not move forward and move forward only with education, hoping that education would be the hole that got, uh, would be the tool that got me out. Mm-hmm. But it really is cyclical because it you know education got me into the situation and now i'm hoping that education can pull me out so you know i may do a few things i may you know go online and look up and figure out how to get on the good foot with the forgiveness program yes you, you know you black ladies out there might listen to this and get them on a, on a dating app they might get out and, and get them on a budget you don't know who this might bless today so oh, <laughs> we're gonna I didn't say me 
I didn't say me. Y'all don't get excited. I said the good ladies might get on a dating app. I didn't say nothing about winsome. Y'all don't. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. I'll make your profile. (laughs) Thank you, Candice. We'll anyway, before we forget, than me. <laughs> before we forget, please, 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 guys, send us your shady situations at neverleftcollegepod at gmail.com. Again, that is neverleftcollegepod at gmail.com. We will read your letters out loud on the show and try to give you some advice or you can teach us a thing or two. So please send us an email. Maybe one of the Howard students will email us. We should reach out to them. Listen. Well, guys, that's the end of the show for today. It's been a good time, not a long time. But then again, no one likes a long class. We hope that you have a great week. And remember, college is a place to live, love, and laugh. But if you never leave, we are here to help you make it through. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.